Hello, I'm Kerry Eustace and you're listening to an award-losing careers talk. More about our award-losing shortly, but in this week's podcast we'll be discussing what we like to call second jobber syndrome. Symptoms include uncertainty over when to move on from your first job, anxiety around asking for a promotion and bewilderment on how and when to take the next step in your career. We've got our resident grad, Anna Codria-Rado, who will be telling us about her deliberation over her next step, along with Corinne Mills from Personal Career Management and David Winter from Careers Consultancy C2, who will be sharing their top tips for moving on and getting promoted. Plus, dear Julian explains why you should think twice before downsizing from a stressful career. God knows, you know, throughout my job I've had times and I've thought I'd rather be stacking shelves in Tesco's than doing this job. But I would be inclined to tackle that problem rather than create a whole new raft of problems for yourself. But before we dive into our news, advice and second job syndrome fest, the careers team was unchained from their desk this week and let loose on the awards circuit. We were nominated for a NORA, a National Online Recruitment Award, for Best Careers Advice site. We took the mic along to the event to track our excitement and abuse of the bar. So we're here at the Noras. The awards are underway. We're building up to our category and we're all feeling a bit excited, aren't we? Harriet? Very excited. My work search, Monster, Career Player, and Guardian Career. Yay! The winner is Career Player. We didn't win the award. Career player rightfully won. They're a great side, but I'm going to get some reaction from the team. How do you feel about missing out on the award? I think they read the leaflet wrong. I think I was actually asked. I might dispute the result. (laughs) Honourable losers on the careers team. That was a bit of the Nora's there. Um, Unfortunately, we didn't win, but we'd like to say a huge congratulations to Guardian Jobs, who did win their category, and we're really proud of them. Now, moving on to the news, fellow losers Harriet Minter and Ali White are here with me to talk about this week's hottest careers headlines, which include job seeking on roundabouts and the power of business cards. Um, Harriet, do you want to start us off this week? Yes, certainly. I am starting us off this week with the news that graduate jobs are on the rise in small businesses. There's been lots of news about how the government thinks that it's going to be small and medium-sized enterprises who are actually going to take us out of the recession, and it's going to be them who create the kind of new workforce of the future. The Graduate Recruitment Bureau has released this survey showing that actually the smallest percentage of graduates anywhere that get taken on by small businesses is in the southwest, and that's still 28%, uh-huh. so it's quite high. Mm. And it's quite a normal thing, I think, for graduates to think, right, I'm leaving university, I must go and find a graduate scheme and get on the scheme. But actually, there are so many other opportunities out there if you're prepared to look. And a very obvious one is actually looking in your region. So it's quite common to think, right, I've left university, I'm going to go for the big city and I'm going to start off there. And actually, that can be quite hard to find small businesses in a big city. Whereas sometimes going home to your hometown, getting out the yellow pages and literally just going through and finding the companies in the sector that you're interested in and just emailing them can be a really good way to start. Also, I think another one is actually the personal approach. So actually finding out who the person is who's in charge of the area that you want to work in and ringing them up. 
and just seeing whether maybe they'd be interested in taking you in for just for a couple of days to do some work experience because small companies often are run on a bit of a shoestring and Mm. so you'll have lots of people trying to do lots of different jobs and if you can take yourself in and prove that this is your niche and you're doing one job that's really going to help them out they're probably going to be quite inclined to keep you on. Okay, my story is about why career smart graduates always must carry their business cards with them. And this was from a blog on our site, On Guardian Careers, by Paul Redmond, who is head of uh, careers and employability at the University of Liverpool, who you might remember. He was a guest a few weeks ago and he was brilliant. And um, he's sort of highlighting is now it's sort of conference season. There's lots of events on, there's lots of graduate careers fairs on. And according to Paul, 3 p.m. is the witching hour at graduate (laughs) fairs. He says it's quite common for people to arrive really early and sort of uh, get burnt out and leave just as things get really interesting. He says at 3pm when people start packing up, that's the time to go and speak to the targeted recruiters who you really want to make connection with. You're more likely to get their undivided attention when everybody else has gone home. It makes sense really, but still everybody is there at lunchtime crowding around Abercrombie and Fitch saying, hey, come and speak to me. (laughs) Um, And his other tip, which I thought was really interesting, is that you must carry business cards with you. Personally, I didn't have a business card until I started work, so this was, you know, quite news to me, and I think it probably will be uncommon among graduates to have business cards. And the reason he thinks it's important is because we've got so many ways that we sort of communicate with people now. And if you're scribbling that all on a bit of paper or handing over a crumpled CV, it's quite likely to get lost. But he says if you sort of condense that onto a really slick business card, it's something that people are likely to keep. I mean, have you ever thrown a business card away? I mm-hmm. certainly haven't. I always keep them. And you're most likely to get one back as well. So you've got a contact there that you can follow up. So it's a really good tip. Well, I've got a story about another job seeker in the southwest but instead of following some more traditional advice like Harriet had um, he's decided he's desperate and he's been standing in a roundabout with a sign saying graduate needs job highly skilled with his email address <laughs> but it's a bit of a sad story really he's a master's degree student who's applied for over 100 jobs without getting a single interview and he's sort of taken this approach to get the employer to notice him and he's apparently he adopted the unusual approach after hearing of a similar instance where a man landed a career by advertising himself during rush hour And it's not the first time, actually. I read about a graduate last year, David Rowe, who donned a sandwich board and offered his services in London's Fleet Streets. He actually was on Fleet Street, which is where my old office was. Oh, really? And when he was walking around with the sandwich board, my boss saw him and thought it was such a great idea that he gave him one of his business cards again and (laughs) told him to get in touch. Okay, thanks very much. Now, when work gets stressful and you start to dislike your job, it can be easy to consider jacking it all in for a guaranteed 9-to-5 role without any of the hassle. But this isn't always the best option, as our agony uncle Julian Lindley argues in Dear Julian. There's a really interesting problem this week. It breaks my heart a little bit, and I'll tell you why. There's this really incredible letter from someone who has been working in the pharmaceutical industry and their job is very stressful and they don't enjoy it and they are actively looking for work at the minimum wage where you don't have to really think really. So they've been applying for jobs in warehouses, as porters in hotels, that kind of thing. And it upsets me because you hear a lot people talking about wanting to downshift too quickly because I think that we're not really still that good at dealing with stress as a country. There's not an awful lot of support in the workplace. And stress can quite often create these feelings of wanting to escape. God knows, you know, throughout my job, I've had times and I've thought I'd rather be stacking shelves in Tesco's than doing this job. But once you've downshifted into that position, you're going to be faced with two really massive issues. One 
is if you decide that you want to move out of that job again, it's going to be quite hard to be taken seriously. Your CV is going to look quite odd to prospective employers. But the second thing is, it seems like a good solution in the short term. Imagine yourself in 10 years' time still doing that same job. Your contemporaries, everyone around you has bought houses and you're stuck in a really lowly paid job. So on one hand, I absolutely hear you. There's nothing worse than feeling like you're trapped in a stressful job. But I would be inclined to tackle that problem. I've always found the best way to deal with it. And it sounds like a cliche is to talk about it. So I've always kept in touch with old colleagues and old employers because I've, I find it personally very reassuring to have people who are still senior to me in the industry that I don't work for who I can turn to and ask advice how did you deal with this when you were in this situation and is there a way that you can see my problem with perspective and work help me work out how to solve it so my advice absolutely would be to speak to your employer about the stressful situation that you're in if they're a good employer I'd really hope that they would help you to manage that if not, my advice would be speak to your GP, see if you can find any counselling that will, will help you to develop techniques to deal with stress. And on top of that, if you really are very unhappy in your job, I would say absolutely look for other work. But I would really encourage you to look for work at a similar level that uses your talent and your expertise because you're clearly an incredibly bright person you wouldn't be doing a job like you've been doing if you weren't. But please, please think very carefully about why you want to escape and see if you can't come up with a solution for that. That was Julian Ninley, Creative Director at Bauer. So you all know that feeling. You've been in your first graduate job for a while and you like it, but you start to get the feeling that maybe there's more to the working world and it's time to move on. These sentiments were summed up perfectly earlier this week in a guest blog post on the Guardian Careers site written by Anna Codria-Rado. At the beginning, it was a good thing to be the baby of the office because it meant that I was given the attention that a graduate in their first role needs. But now it means it's harder for me to assert myself as someone who wants to move onwards and upwards into a position of more responsibility because I'm still seen as a young, inexperienced one. I took a good hard look at my job and tried to work out how my job fits in with my career plan and how much more it can offer me. Establishing that was the easy part. What I found difficult is working out when is the right time to move on. And Anna is here with me now. Hello, Anna. Hello. So, Anna, tell us a bit about what you're doing and, you know, where these thoughts sort of came from. Well, I'm working as an editorial assistant in a university. The job came about by chance. I started off on an internship and then an opportunity arose and I went for an interview and I was offered the job. And... About a month ago, I was looking in my diary and I realised that I'd been there for a year and I kind of had a bit of commitment issues with that, um, <laughs> thinking, oh, I've, I've been here for a year. Although this is related to what I want to be doing, which is journalism, it's not exactly what I thought I'd be doing after university. So how much longer should I really be sticking around? How much more can I get out of my job? Am I in a bit of a rut? What should I do next? quite interesting what you say sort of about feeling like you're in a rut do you kind of get the thing where you can kind of just do everything it's not so much of a challenge anymore I'm doing much of the same things that I do have been doing up until this point um, there are obviously still plenty of things for me to be learning but I feel that it's in quite a small niche area and I kind of worry that I will get to a point where I've saturated what I can continue to be learning and I feel that I'm not far off that point 
the next step I'm going to take needs to be in the direction that I want my career to be going in. So whereas with the first job, I took something that was vaguely related to the field that I'm interested in and would give me quite a lot of experience and training opportunities, I worry that I should be moving into perhaps a company that I identify with more, something more directly related to what I want to be doing. But equally, I worry that I haven't got quite enough experience to be doing that. Okay, time to bring in the experts here to debate this topic and offer some advice to those looking at making their next step. We have David Winter, a careers consultant with C2, which is part of the Careers Group at University of London, and he's also the lead author of the brilliant Careers in Theory blog. We also have Corin Mills, Managing Director of Career Management and Outplacement Company, Personal Career Management, and author of the best-selling CV book, You're Hired, How to Write a Brilliant CV. Hello and welcome. Thank you. Hello. I just want to start off by asking you both about your reactions to Anna's blog. What were your thoughts when you read about her experience? It felt for me like you were kind of growing up, <laughs> you know, it was the experience of growing up in your job and, and that sense of, oh yes, it's all new to start off with, but really having taken your first steps, kind of being sure of your territory and just ready to move on. And I think you've kind of gone about it the way you're thinking about it in a very sensible way, actually. David? Yeah, it's quite interesting because I, one of the things that struck me in the in the blog was this idea that it's the year anniversary that made you think that. And I was listening to a, a news report the other day from some investment trust manager who was saying basically a year is how long it takes the earth to go around the sun. And that relates to nothing else at all. And how ridiculous it was to actually try to measure trust funds on a sort of yearly basis because it's nothing to do with an economic cycle. And I guess that that's one of the things I'd say is, is it's not so much to do with anniversaries, but it's to do with the cycle that you're going through within your career and your development. So I guess the best time is when you are ready, when you're not getting anything more from it, as you were saying, you know, thinking, are you getting any more from this job? Are you developing any further? And that could be at any stage because it would depend on the job, depend on what opportunities are available for you to take extra responsibility to, to, to develop. Corinne, do you agree? Absolutely. But I think you also need to think about what is it that you want next? Because it's all very well having, oh yes, I really want to move on. It's not right for me anymore. But you do need to, to work out what next. And I think as part of doing your research about what next and kind of t- finding out the steps that you need to take in order to get the next role, you can then build that into your current role. So if there's any gaps mm. between where you are now um, and what you're going to do next, you've got some kind of measured steps to take you closer to there before you actually move. I guess my advice would be, rather than judge it by time, is to focus on, say, for example, achievement. And so what have you actually achieved within this job? Is it, are, you, are you going to leave on a high? Have you got something that you've successfully completed, something that you've really pulled off and you're quite proud of? And that's probably a good time to start thinking about moving because then you've got something to boast about to the next employee, you've got a good track record. The other thing is I think if this has been a job that you have really wanted and so perhaps it's a graduate scheme that you've fought to get on and then you are there for less than a year, you are going to have to justify to a prospective employer why you left um, because you know the company will have invested in you you know several thousands in order to get you there so they will want to know you know why you left but also what you're going for next is the right thing the only other thing that I would say that if you are unhappy in your job get out as quickly as you can 
So there's no point staying in a job where you're really unhappy, where your confidence is going to go down. Don't stay there a moment longer than you have to. Just get yourself out. Do we think it's quite a common problem making your next step, you know, finding your second job? I think in some respects, some things are easier. Because at least, you know, there was, when you go into your first job, there's an awful lot that's theoretical when you start. But now you've actually got some real work-life experience. You understand some of the etiquettes of how organisations work, which can be quite a surprise and a shock sometimes for, for people. Oh, I thought it was going to be like this, but actually it's something different. So in that respect, there's, there's probably a lot of things that you've acquired that you maybe take for granted. In terms of your second job, you at least know a bit more about what you want more of you perhaps are more focused about the things that you're good at because you've had feedback etc so in that respect it should hopefully just be a little bit easier David I think every move that we make is is going to be difficult because it, it involves a transition and transitions are never ever easy but it, it hopefully does get easier as you get used to it it's just something where you have to learn all the time and I agree with that and in some respects that is how your career will be Okay, so it's not just the transition between the first job and the second job. It will be between the second and the third, and that's an ongoing, that is a kind of given. And I think the, you know, the strategies, you know, talking about the career audit that you've done, the strategies that you can learn early on in your career to focus, well, okay, I need to get there, what do I need to do? How can I get help? All of those things. If you can acquire those career management skills, that is going to stand you in good stead throughout your career. Let's talk more about those strategies and how can you plan to make your next step to find your second job? In some ways, you should always be looking for your next job, even if you're happy. You should always be at least looking and thinking, okay, what could come next? What ideas can I get? Not necessarily that you're going to actually take that first job that comes along, but you're going to use that to sort of help you think about and get ideas for the sorts of things you might want to do. And so you can start to collect that information and have that idea, okay, I've spotted that job, maybe it's not the right time for that job now, but at least I now know it exists, and I know the kind of organisation that might offer that job. And that will actually make the transition easier, because the more you can think yourself into the next job, the easier it's going to be for you to make that transition, and also the easier it's going to be for you to convince an employer that you're ready for that move. Corinne? I think if you have that sense of having a career rather than a series of jobs. So there's a career is something that you build. (laughs) Um, And you're always in mind, yes, I'm doing this job at the moment. What am I going to take forward in terms of my career? Where do I want to go? And being kind of curious and inquisitive and asking people, well, because people will tell you if you if you ask people, all right, what do I need to to do in order to you know ultimately getting in a job like you they'll tell you and kind of plan it in so again I I would agree with Dave having that real kind of forward thinking and thinking more you know not just the distractions of the everyday job but uh, being proactive. Are there any sort of common mistakes that sort of graduates and young people might make when they're looking for their second job? I remember that I aimed a little bit too high when I was looking at my second job. You know, I'd been working at a regional paper and obviously I need to go on to a national now straight away. I need to come work somewhere like here. And do you think that there's any way to avoid that? And what other common problems are there? You can try to sort of, as I said, research and find about the job and investigate it beforehand. And, and I guess that's one of the things I would say is, you know, the biggest mistake people make is is not to put enough time and effort into finding out as much as they can about where they're going to end up next. People go, oh, that looks really nice. I'll go for it. And then they get there and think, oh, hang on. It's not what I thought it was going to be. Whereas if they'd spent a bit of time just researching, talking to people, investigating a little bit further, their gut instinct probably would have told them 
I think the other thing is that sometimes people don't sufficiently check out what's available internally in their own organisations. Mm. If they're working in a big organisation, sometimes they have a fear about talking to their manager about this. But actually, there may be lots of opportunities. And you've got access to people, you've got access to information there. And sometimes you just need to ask the question, what possibilities are there? And generally, you would find it far easier maybe to move internally then you might be to kind of go on the open market. I was going to ask what your advice would be for somebody wanting to move on internally and how they would approach the subject with their manager of asking for more responsibility. The first thing I would say is that as a manager, that would be what I would want my staff mm. to be saying to me. Particularly, I'd be worried if you were at this stage in your career and you weren't asking me that. So the first thing, any fear or kind of you know, scariness you, you might feel about approaching that with a manager, don't don't overly worry. I think you need to find a quiet time to talk to them when you've got their undivided attention and you just need to say, look, I'm really interested in developing. These are the things I'm interested in. Have you got any advice that you can give me? And they should help you. When you approach a manager, rather than expecting them to tell you what the opportunities are, it's great if you already have the idea, saying, I think there might be potential for me to get more involved in this area and it's something I'd really like to do. Do you think that would be possible? That kind of thing. Because it shows that you've already been thinking about it. And also it means you've got some control over it. And look, we know that organisations are cost conscious at the moment. So development in an ideal world, it might mean expensive training courses or whatnot and the other. But actually there's lots of low cost options. I mean, you know, work shadowing, get ask for a mentor, yeah. volunteer to write a blog for the company or volunteer there's something that needs changing, volunteer to change it. Is there anything you have to do differently when applying for a second job? Yes, I mean, I think there are some perhaps some universities things that may not be as relevant anymore. Again, I think it's about extracting full value from your first job. Mm. And I think in some respects, employers are looking to see your cleverness with how you kind of transfer what you've been able to gain from that job. I guess the other thing I would say is even more so at this stage, coming back to what I said earlier, it, CV needs to be sort of achievement focused. What did you do? What difference did you make in that last job? What impact did you have? Because that's, again, what an employer will be looking for. I was going to ask about your opinion of people moving back into education after their first job to bridge the gap between their first and their second job. Well, that's a loaded question. (laughs) 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 It sounds like a very personal question. (laughs) Can I expand on that a little bit more? Well, my plan is now to go back into education and to do my master's after this job before moving on to my second job. I'm going to give you a question back and I have to say why. (laughs) It depends. I mean, the the answer is, it it depends why you're doing it and what you're hoping to get out of it. It's got to be kind of related. Hopefully it is related. The master's is going to be in journalism, so I see that as directly related as to my career progression. My view is, with any kind of higher education uh, qualification, is as long as you're getting lots of practical experience alongside it, so you're not just taking time out of work just to do an academic study because when you come out the employer will be saying okay you've got you've you know you've got the academic background but what's the experience that you have so I think if you do that it's really important to keep other activities alongside that or do work placements that's going to be essential otherwise I think you potentially could lose time. It can be a really good thing to do. I mean, especially something like journalism, yeah, absolutely fine, because it's a, a recognised standard way into that industry. You know, if you look at a lot of journalists, and probably half of them do have some sort of qualification like that. So 
that's one of the things you'd look for. If you look in the, the where you want to end up, do most people who are working in that job have that qualification? So there are some areas, you know, things like international development and environmental work, where you pretty much have to have a master's qualification because everybody else does. Go and investigate your buyers, go and investigate employers and see whether they've even heard of it, whether they rate it, whether they've had any contact with it before, because that will increase the likelihood it's going to be useful. And the, the other thing really is just that it can be really good, not just for the sort of learning, but for the networking. A master's course can be a great excuse for making contact with people. I mean, I, I've done it. I'm sure several people around the table have done it, but kind of done, you know, MAs and things every evening while you're doing your uh, your job. But actually, I think there's also quite a lot of kudos that comes with that from an employer as well, because they think, my gosh, you know, it's not easy. You've been holding down a full-time job and you've been studying in the evening. That's really takes some commitment and focus. So, yeah. And then you can relax when it's over and realise that life is never stressful again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, everyone. Time for the Jobs Top 10 now. This week's chart is brought to you by our award-losing career gurus, <laughs> Harriet and Ali. Zooming into the top 10, it's a talent management assistant from Handle Recruitment. At nine, the Royal Academy of Arts is looking for an events manager. And at eight, it's a retoucher for Netta Porter. Walt Disney are looking for a German-speaking designer at seven. While Hatchet Filipacci need a science commissioning editor at six. Halfway down at five, it's a marketing director for Artec House Books. And at four, we're looking for an administrative temp to join us at The Guardian. At three, it's a render farm engineer for Sky. And at two, we have a communities manager for ITV. But today's numero uno is a communications officer with the National Trust. So, before we go, here are a few dates for your diary. On Monday, we have the value of vocational routes into the job market between 1 and 4pm. Tuesday, 9th of November is getting onto a magazine. And then on Wednesday, 10th of November, a survival guide for IT graduates. All that's left to say is thanks very much to all our guests. We've got resident grad Anna Codriarado, Corinne Mills and David Winter, and of course, Harriet Minter and Ali White. Careers Talk was produced by Sarah Cudden. I'm Kerry Eustace and until next week, goodbye.